You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up? This is Michael Bumpus along with NASA Chobie, and this is Hawk Talk Recap Edition. The Hawks lose an OT 37-34 to the Arizona Cardinals in a thriller. They could have won the game two or three times. They could have lost the game two or three times, but we are here to break it down. Let's get right into it with what had happened. See what had happened at first was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. What happened? I'll tell you what happened, Nassachobi. Guys went down to Glendale, Arizona, got into a battle, and just came up short. Uh, We saw some things that never really happened with this offense. They turned the ball over three times, and Russell Wilson didn't have his best day when it came to that. But he still performed at a high level. That first drive, they come out. uh, He's five for five, deep ball to lock it one-handed catch you're thinking here we go this offense is going to keep this thing rolling but uh, it was a, a very emotional night last night oh my goodness man I'm still recovering man I'm still recovering I'm sure as well as most of the 12s are there yesterday I mean it was in roller coaster I mean we should be used to this at this point I'm still not I mean the highs and the lows I mean we were so high at some points and so low so it was, it was a tough game um and, man, Arizona, that State Farm Stadium, I'm cool. I mean, typically we've won every game down there, but there's yeah. just some bad memories. A lot of crazy <laughs> things have happened, a tie and another overtime game all the way down the wire. So it was it was a tough game. And, and like you mentioned, the Seahawks did come out on fire. I, we kind of thought that they were going to keep going like they had been going. And offensively, they still played really well. They scored on their first, I think, five of their first six possessions of the game. Yep. And defensively, they just uh, played good at times, but just couldn't slow them down in the second half. Couldn't slow him down in the second half. You mentioned the defense looked good at times. Just lost contain a couple times with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray bounced back. Mm-hmm. The week before, it was 9 for 24. This guy looked Russell Wilson in the eye on Sunday Night Football and said, look, we're going to go toe-to-toe, so you have to respect the young man for that. DK Metcalf didn't have the game that we were used to seeing. Was it the defense? Was it the scheme? But when he didn't play to the level we're used to seeing, we see a guy in Tyler Lockett. 20 targets, 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns. The young man got it done last night. He is something special, man. And I think, um, of course, in this offense, people don't care if they're their number one receiver. We talked about a lot on the postgame show last night. This offense has everyone is live on every single play. And there's just been a lot of talk about DK, and rightfully so, because he has earned it. And Tyler Lockett's been kind of quiet the last two weeks. But, boy, he was not quiet last night. He one of the best games in franchise history, without question. Tyler Lockett is a beast. Now, the Seahawks went up 10 points with 526 remaining in the game. However, after holding the Cardinals on a key third and 12, the Seahawks got an offsize penalty and a penalty for leverage on a field goal attempt, which, man, that, that hurts because you look at it, you know what happened with Benson Mayoa. Mm-hmm. He jumped offsides. He tried to control himself by putting his hands on top of the offensive lineman. So instead of it being a five-yard penalty, it is now a 15-yard penalty. And that kind of changed the game a bit. Oh, for sure did. And that's the thing that sucks about it is you know he wasn't trying to do that. You know he wasn't coached to do that. He just unfortunately jumped off sides and got in that weird, you know, in-between no-man's land kind of and put his hand on the guy's back. But I honestly, I really hate that penalty because – 
for me in that situation, that there's got to be intent there, right? I understand it's yeah. a letter of the law, but it's not like he ran up, put his hands on the guy's back, and jumped over. You can kind of see, like, okay, that's a five-yard. It was fourth and 12. A 15-yard penalty in that situation really changed the game, and it's just unfortunate because it's one of the biggest plays. Yep, one of the biggest plays. Now, the golf gods tried to give Seattle a chance. They go, look, we're not even going to have you burn a timeout on this field goal. We're going to have their own coach ice their own kicker. The kicker makes the, the field goal that didn't count and then pulls the other one. At that point, I'm thinking, here we go again. Russ is going to drive this football team down the field and they're going to get it done. But eventually, if you put yourself in these situations over and over and over again, you're not going to be perfect. Nothing in this world is perfect. I've never seen a perfect football team. Unfortunate, but they still had a chance to win the ball game. No question about it. I think everyone in the nation, the second that field goal went wide left, they're thinking, man, these Seahawks, man, I just don't get it. They're going to come back and win the game. I think all of us did. When you have number three, a quarterback, I mean, there's no doubt in your mind. That's why it was really – it was weird to see, especially having two opportunities in overtime to go win the game. It's definitely not something we're used to seeing. Obviously, a couple of costly turnovers. But like you said, no one is perfect. You, you can't be in all of these one-score games and all of these tight situations with the game on the line. Eventually, sooner or later, you're not going to get them all. Obviously, no one you know, expected us to go 16-0. and It's only happened one time, and that team didn't even win the Super Bowl. So it wasn't going to happen. The Seahawks look to bounce back next week. Yep, they'll bounce back, and you got to give respect where respect is due. The Cardinals play a good, played a good football game. DeAndre Hopkins did his usual 10 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Colin Murray bounced back. Russell did everything he could, man. He uh, was the leading rusher, was 75, 80 yards rushing, uh, led the team in passing, obviously. But uh, it just wasn't their night, and that's okay. They're still 5-1, and one, one of the best football teams in the league. Now let's talk about who got it done, playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is. Holy catfish. Well, Bumpy mentioned it, man. If there was any playmakers on Sunday Night Football, it was the Tyler Lockett. Now, let's break this down. 15 receptions, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. Got it going on the first play of the game with a one-handed play on Patrick Peterson, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League, as he was kind of getting held and roughed up. And the dude just came out and, and straight up, this is one of the best games a receiver's played in franchise history, okay? His 15 receptions tied Steve Largent for number one all-time in receptions in a single game, and his 200-yard receiving clocks in at number two all-time behind Steve Largent, who had a 261-yard performance against Detroit in 1987. And Bump, why did Paul Moyer say last night that he doesn't <laughs> think that game should count? Paul Moyer says that game shouldn't count because Steve Largent crossed the lines. It was a lockout year. And uh, he was playing against guys who probably shouldn't be out there, who couldn't get out of a backpedal, couldn't flip those hips. <laughs> but end of the day, it was an official NFL game, so it counts. But if you are a historian like our guy Paul Moore, who was on that team, and you understand the context of that, you can see why Paul thinks that this was the greatest performance by a Seahawks receiver because he did it on Sunday night against a good defense, um, not during a lockout season. Mm -hmm. It was real. Bulls were live. But is what it is in the record books is the number two performance by receiver. But it was nice to see Tyler Lockett get back on track. Before that, in the last two weeks, he had nine targets total. Mm -hmm. DK was kind of making this thing go. But that's the great thing about this receiving court. You got two guys. All right, it's not your night. Now it's my night. And DK still almost won the game mm -hmm. for this team. Uh. He still contributed on one of the greatest plays on defense for a receiver. And then almost he took a scream to the house, but got called back. 
for a holding by David Moore, but it is what it is. Next playmaker, Russell Wilson, 33 of 50, 388 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. That's where it hurts. We're not going to see this type of performance by no. Russell often. I can't even remember the last time. I think you mentioned it was Green Bay. 2000, um, uh, I believe the 2017 season down in Green Bay. 2017 was the last time. Green Bay. So a lot of games were played in between these two performances. And you again, you can't just talk about the Seahawks not getting it done. You got to tip your hat off to these Cardinals, man. They they dialed up some blitz packages and drop into their zones and show some pressures and, and force Russell Wilson into making bad decisions. But he also had six carries for 84 yards and has some nice throws. I mean, that first play of the game to lock that one-handed catch. The other deep play, deep touchdown on Lockett where he's double teamed. Lockett mm-hmm. is double teamed, and Russell still gives him an opportunity. Puts it where only he can get the football. With all the mistakes that he made, he still made some Hall of Fame quarterback-type throws. Well, and the crazy thing, you mentioned it, Bump. You do have to give credit where credit's due. But imagine this. We are giving credit to the Arizona Cardinals, who gave up 572 yards of total offense. <laughs> So, I mean, it's not like the Seahawks were held in check. They were going up and down the yeah. field, but they made plays when it mattered. When it came down the stretch in overtime, Russell hadn't been sacked all game, got sacked twice on the first drive. And then, like you mentioned, they were doing so much different stuff defensively. We talked about on the preview podcast how they move guys around a ton, and their DBs are yeah. good. So once you start getting pressure a lot and they start dropping into some different zone schemes, they made plays when they had to. So obviously tip your cap to Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, on, on a job well done late in that game. But like you mentioned it, man, Russell Wilson's not going to be perfect. He still threw for 388 yards, still threw for three touchdowns. We're not going to see a game like this very often. And I promise you when they come out next week or next time they play the Cardinals, it's definitely going to be a, a different story for Russell. They'll be ready to go. Next playmaker, Carlos Hyde, 15 carries, 68 yards, one touchdown. First game in a couple of weeks after so- shoulder injury. This was encouraging to me because this is why you have Carlos Hyde. Just in case something happens to Chris Carson, he went down with a foot injury. He comes out, he scores a touchdown, I believe on a sweep, shows some explosiveness, picked up a crucial first down late in the game. If Carson isn't ready to go, I think the Hawks will be okay with Carlos Hyde. Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, when we drafted DJ Dallas, another running back, you know, people are like, well, we just signed Carlos Hyde. If anyone learned anything last year, you can never have enough running backs. You just don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And the way the style of Chris Carson and those guys are so physical, things can happen. So I'm very comfortable seeing Carlos Hyde out there. I like his physicality. I like, like I said, I like the burst going out to the edge. And while we're talking about Carlos Hyde, let me look, quick little branch off. Dwayne Brown was killing the game yes. last night. I want to see a lot more tosses because when you get number 76 coming around that corner, good night, <laughs> DBs, take cover because it's going to be a long day. So Dwayne Brown was definitely balling last night and i love to see carl side getting back after it after missing a couple games with a shoulder injury who else did their thing nas bobby wagner you know um it's hard i know it's got to be really hard for him he still had 11 tackles still played solid uh got a really unfortunate uh unnecessary roughness penalty which is just criminal Crazy. i mean the dude is out there playing football it was a bang bang play and that was a huge play to see us get off the field they score in that drive so that was really unfortunate but Bobby's been here for some since 2012, man. He has played on some of the best defenses in the history of the NFL, and um, he knows there's room to grow. And this isn't the standard that they're used to playing at, um, and him personally. So I think the good thing is I know we have leaders in that locker room, and it's just we just need the pieces to come together. Obviously, we're still missing Jamal Adams, who hasn't come back. So in the defensive line, guys have flashed at times, but it's not been consistent. We know KJ Wright's played really well this year, 
Bobby has two. We lost Shaquille Griffin to a concussion, which was huge, right? Yeah. And Quinn, so all the pieces at some point are going to mesh together. We're just not there yet defensively. Not there yet. You still have Daryl Taylor, who we mm-hmm. haven't seen yet. Jordan Brooks really got some significant playing time for the first time last night, had an uh, awesome tackle on third down. So I am still optimistic. Mm-hmm. I know people are going to gripe. They're going to complain about this and that, but these guys are 5-1. and one. They got the 49ers coming up, and I think they'll be fine. All right, wide receiver roundup. Got to start with Tyler Lockett. Like we said, 50 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns, over 20 targets, one of the best games in franchise history. David Moore, three catches, 54 yards. Um, an unfortunate holding penalty, but Demo might not get the targets that a lot of guys get, but it seems like every catch that he makes is a big catch. Uncle Will got in the mix. Two yes, catches, sir. 38 yards. DK, two for 23. Jacob Hollister, three for 22. Greg, two for 18. DJ, two for 18. Carlos, three for eight. Chris Carson, one for seven. What I like about this, and I feel like I say this every week, is that the ball's being spread around. Granted, Lockett had 20 targets. <laughs> yeah, so right. we know who he was locked in on, but other guys are touching the rock. Yeah, you had like 10 guys uh, get targeted on passes during the game. Like you mentioned, it was a lot of Tyler Lockett, but it's still good to see the the, the love spread around and um, – Guys just making plays. Like, it's good to see Will Disley out there. Made a couple nice plays. Um, DK Metcalf, we mentioned him. He only had two targets for 23 yards, and unfortunately that touchdown that came back. But like we mentioned, once the coach's film comes out, it's going to be really interesting to see what they're doing defensively. And just from watching the game from the TV copy, I feel like they're like, hey, we are not going to get BD by him. We're going to have yeah. someone underneath. We're going to have someone over the top, which freed up Tyler to do his thing inside. So defenses have to pick their poison. Okay, if you want to try to shut down Tyler, DK is going to be one-on-one. Okay, do you want that matchup or vice versa? So it's definitely something where every time uh, you're going to have to choose who you're going to try to lock up and everyone can break one any given week. Pick Tyler, pick DK, slip in a little demo, and they're going to be all right. They will be good to go. All right, Coach's Corner. This week we're going to break down Russell Wilson's um, intercepted by Buda Baker. It was a flat route. Russell tosses it out there like a little loft. And we spoke to Pete and we're asking, like, why would he throw that football like that? You know why? Because during the week, during practice, it was open like that. And he was able to do that. So he floats it out there. Buda Baker makes a break on the ball. Buda's a baller. 32, what it do? Grabs the, mm. grabs the ball out the air, sprinting down the sideline. And then we see this thoroughbred galloping behind him, eating up grass, hawking him down, save the touchdown. Now, DK saved that touchdown. Then the defense gets back on the field, stops them. The Hawks go down on a 97-play yard drive. That is nothing but heart, soul, dedication. I'm doing this for my squad. I love that DK put that out there for the world to see. No, and uh, coaches across the country, I saw going nuts on Twitter. That's something that you will put in your videos and your install when you have meetings to start your next season or even across the league, just what extreme effort is on a football field. And here's what it sounded like. First and goal. Russell takes a shotgun snap. Carson, oh, no. It's picked off. Going the other way is Buda Baker down the near sidelines. Nobody's going to catch him unless Metcalf can. He is sprinting. He is running. He dives and he catches him. D.K. Metcalf catches Buda Baker on a little dump pass into the right flat. Russell never saw him, and he steals the ball away. The thing about that is, okay, so Buda jumps in front of it, and Buda's fast. Buda is not a yeah. slow. Buda's like a 4-4 guy, right? Yeah. And D.K. was he was running a little drag route, and at that point it was almost at a dead stop. 
Buddha picks it off, and this man turns on the Jets. He must have been 15 yards behind the dude. And you just yes. saw him blow past Russell. I mean, he was just hawking. I have never seen some stuff like that. And according to Next Gen Stats, DK reached a max speed of 22.64 miles per hour while running down Buda Baker, okay? The only higher max speed by a player to make a tackle this season was by his defensive teammate Shaquille Griffin, who hit 22.75 miles per hour. So don't sleep on Shaquille's speed either. But what you saw from DK, that was Pete said it. Everyone said it. That was one of the best plays they'd ever seen. Just a display of heart. And I think you mentioned this on the Pete Carroll show that uh, you had one of your players text you saying that might have happened because of what happened against Dallas. And just knowing never to give up on a play. And it's just what extreme... A desire, mental toughness, all that wrapped into one. So it was a great play by DK. To to put a little more on it, Buda Baker tweeted after the game. He goes, <laughs> DK straight hawked me. Respect. <laughs> like, Buda knows he's fast. He, you can even see it like around the 20 yard line. He looks over his shoulder like snaps. This dude is about like, to catch. Is he, how are you anywhere? Near, I mean, he must have been. That was wild, man. That was wild. You ever, been, you ever been chased by a dog? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's man. What it, I, I'm guaranteed that's what that felt like. This dog is about to bite me in my butt right now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that just fear. Oh, my goodness. Bump. Uh, unfortunately, this is this is the first, first time. First time, This yes. is the first time. Normally, we're getting ready to get in our favorite formation. But unfortunately, the clock just ran out. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. All right, Bum, for the first time all year, like we said, we're not in the victory formation. It just was not the Seahawks' day on Sunday Night Football. Wasn't their day. We knew this day was coming, though. It's nice to think that your team's going to go 16-0. and You're feeling good. They probably should have won this game, could have won this game. But this is the NFL. This is football. This is life. Things are going to happen. It's not going to bounce your way. The football guys can only make you the, the field goal kicker miss one field goal. He's not going to miss two. I mean, you, you overcome three turnovers. There's a lot of things that were working against the Hawks. End of the day, they could not get it done. Arizona Cardinals, that's a good football team. Good quarterback, good receiver. Held the running game in check the first half. They did a lot of good things, but the Arizona Cardinals just made a few more plays than they did. Yeah, no, and we, we talked about this early on, a couple our first couple of podcasts, who scared us the most in the NFC West, and we both were like, Arizona, man. They're a young, yeah. young group of up-and-comers, uh, a young head coach, a gifted, talented quarterback, and like you said, yeah, they just made more plays than we did. I mean, we did we did some really nice things. We just couldn't put them all together. And listen, you're just too many mistakes. You you can't. You're not going to win football games when you turn the ball over three times. And when you need to get a stop, which the Seahawks have done all season long, when they absolutely needed to get a stop defensively, they did. Unfortunately, couldn't get it done on Sunday. Can't feel sorry for ourselves either. Now, another test division matchup coming up with the 49ers. They cannot go 0-2 nope. in the division. It's crazy. You said it last night that you're 5-1, and one, but this is a must-win game. Oh, yeah. You're set. You got to set yourself up for success. If they don't get this done, it's going to be harder down the road. But I feel like this team is going to bounce back. But can't sleep on the 49ers. They're playing good football. Yeah, you can't sleep on the 49ers. They are playing really good football. I think with them, they got injured so early on in the season that people kind of wrote them off, and I was kind of yeah. guilty of that. But they started getting some guys back, and they're playing good football. So you can't, you can't, you can't feel sorry for yourself. They're going to tell the truth today, but all the players know they're going to watch that film. They're going to correct the stuff and, and get back after it. But like you mentioned, if you go 0-2 in the division, you only have four more division games for the rest of the year. And I think to win the NFC West, you have to at the minimum be 4-2 in the division. So this is a huge game coming up.
and I should do a read here. Join us every <laughs> Thursday from noon to two on the huddle. Tom, Jake, and Stacy, along with Seahawks color analyst Dave Wyman. It's your chance to hear directly from the Seahawks players as they prepare for Sunday to preview the game with the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, against the 49ers next Sunday. Bump, let's go back. Let's get back to winning, man. Let's get back to winning victory formations, okay? All right, we need that victory formation, and it's going to happen. I believe that they will get it done. Well, that's the Hawk Talk recap. First L of the season. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Nassar Chubby. The Hawks go down to Arizona. They lose 37 to 34, but something tells me that they're eager to get back to the drawing board. We'll see how they do. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.